California's governor was meeting victims of a mass shooting when he heard about another mass shooting. A gunman killed seven in a farm community. This is not an acceptable way for modern society to live and conduct its affairs. I'm Leila Faldil with Steven Skeep, and this is Up First from NPR News. Outside the Capitol, Taylor Swift fans plan to protest today. Inside, Ticketmaster faces questions about its power. Are they the anti-hero? There is no incentive for fair prices and superior offerings if you're the only company in town. Is it time to break up the live events industry? Also, Oscar nominees are out this morning. Who is favored to win Hollywood's top honors? Our colleague Andrew Limbong has been watching. Stay with us. We've got the news you need to start your day. Support for NPR and the following message come from GoodRx. If you're looking to save some money this year, GoodRx can help. With GoodRx, you can compare prescription prices at over 70,000 pharmacies and instantly find discounts of up to 80%. Plus, GoodRx works for new prescriptions, refills, and even your family's flu shots and medications this winter. So for simple, smart savings on your prescriptions this year, go to GoodRx.com upfirst. We are waking to news of another mass shooting in California. Yeah, days after the attack on a dance hall, a different gunman opened fire in different locations. He was in Half Moon Bay, a coastal community just south of San Francisco. He opened fire at a plant nursery and at a mushroom farm and killed seven people. NPR's Eric Westerfeld is covering this story. Eric, who did this? Good morning, Steve. The San Mateo County Sheriff says the gunman is 67-year-old named Shunli Zhao. He's a local resident. The killing spanned two separate farm locations near each other. He allegedly killed four and gravely wounded a fifth at a plant nursery complex near a small shopping area right off the highway. He then killed three others at another location on a farm about two miles down the road. Uh, It's believed he worked at the nursery where he opened fire. Police found Zhao in his car in the parking lot of a sheriff's substation. So he basically went on a killing spree and then drove to a police station and gave himself in. Mm. He was taken into custody without incident. Police found a semi-automatic handgun in his car. Uh, A local official said the gunman was a disgruntled worker at one of the farms, but Sheriff Christina Corpus says there's no known motive at this time. This kind of shooting is horrific. It's a tragedy that we hear about far too often, but today it's hit home here in San Mateo County. Eric, you said a semi-automatic pistol. Isn't that the same type of weapon that was described in the Monterey Park shooting a few days ago? Well, so we don't know yet if it was the exact same weapon, but it certainly is a similar type of a high-powered semi-automatic weapon. Who were the victims? The seven killed are all believed to be farm workers at this mushroom farm and nursery greenhouse complex. A local council member says all were Chinese farm workers. The sheriff wouldn't comment on that. Some of the workers live there at the farm, Steve. So it's believed children witnessed the killings and almost certainly heard the shootings. It's a small, close-knit agricultural community. Here's Joaquin Jimenez, the vice mayor of Half Moon Bay. We have been receiving phone calls from family members wanting to know information. Either family members are okay. We hope they are. Eric, I began reading a news story about one of California's mass killings and mistakenly thought for a moment it was about the other California mass killing. How are people responding to all this violence in so few days? 
Well, it's interesting. California Governor Gavin Newsom tweeted something similar, that he was at the hospital meeting with victims of the Southern California mass shooting when he got word and was briefed about this one to the north. He decried it as, quote, a tragedy upon tragedy. And we heard from David Pine. He's the head of the San Mateo County Board of Supervisors who said, you know, he's sickened by all this, that Californians hadn't been able to even start to grieve those killed in the south when they were hit with another shooting spree. Our hearts are broken. We are deeply grateful for law enforcement for their work this evening. But in the end, there are simply too many guns in this country. And there has to be a change. This is not an acceptable way for a modern society to to live and conduct its affairs. And Steve, we should know California has some of the strictest gun laws uh, on the books in the nation, but there are all kinds of loopholes. There are some enforcement problems and challenges. There are illegal workarounds, including going to a gun show in a neighboring state like Nevada to try to skirt California's registration or background check laws. So bottom line, the state's gun laws have not stopped these mass killings. NPR's Eric Westervelt, thanks so much. You're welcome. In a hit song, Taylor Swift sings, I'm the problem, it's me. Her fans allege the real problem is Ticketmaster. The botched pre-sale of tickets for a Taylor Swift tour is, of course, an issue where Congress must get involved. And they actually have. Senators hold a hearing this morning asking if Ticketmaster's owner, Live Nation, has a monopoly over the ticketing industry. NPR culture correspondent Anastasia Siolkis is here. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. Okay, for people who are not fans of Tay-Tay, what went wrong? Well, last November, millions of fans waited online for hours to buy tickets during the pre-sale, but most of them walked away from their computers disappointed. Ticketmaster systems crashed, and the company wound up canceling the public sale. Ticketmaster cited unprecedented demand. Interestingly, Taylor Swift later said that Ticketmaster had explicitly assured her several times that their systems would be able to handle it, but clearly they couldn't. Well, is this more than just a bad day for Ticketmaster? Critics are saying yes. In fact, they've seized on this meltdown to highlight a complaint they already had. Hmm. The Senate Judiciary Committee has been looking at Ticketmaster and its parent company, Live Nation, since well before the Taylor Swift situation. This has become a favored talking point for lawmakers who say this one company has created a stranglehold. Here's Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar talking to All Things Considered last November. So what's before us is something that's too big, and that is Ticketmaster, stemming from a 2010 merger in which Live Nation and Ticketmaster were allowed to combine. They own venues, so they're competing with independent venues all the time. And venue operators are concerned that if they don't use Ticketmaster as their primary ticketing service, then Live Nation's concert promotion business won't book the best shows at their venues. There's too high fees. A lot of these hidden fees, high fees are going on because there is no incentive for fair prices and superior offerings and innovation if you're the only company in town. And there we're getting to that argument about monopolistic practices. She mentioned a 2010 merger that cut down on competition. Was that when the trouble started, really? It predates that by decades. Certain musicians have been complaining about Ticketmaster for a very long time. Hmm. All the way back in 1994, for example, members of the band Pearl Jam testified before Congress. Here's Pearl Jam guitarist Stone Gossard at the time. Many Pearl Jam fans are teenagers who do not have the money to pay $30 or more that it's often charged for tickets today. It is well known in our industry that some portion of the service charges Ticketmaster collects on its sale of tickets 
is distributed back to the promoters and the venues. It is this incestuous relationship and the lack of any national competition for Ticketmaster that has created the situation we're dealing with today. Wow, that is from a different century with this problem. It's the same now? (laughs) Yes, and it's worth noting that since the Ticketmaster Live Nation merger, a lot of the venues that Gossard was talking about are now owned, operated, or leased by Live Nation. And remember, he talked about 30-buck tickets. Trade publications have noted that since the mid-1990s, average ticket prices for music concerts have tripled in the United States, and that way outpaces inflation. And that's even before tickets hit the resale market. Ticketmaster happens to be one of the biggest companies in that resale business, too. All right, so what does Live Nation, the owner of Ticketmaster, say about all this? In written testimony submitted ahead of today's hearing, the combined company says it has learned, quote, valuable lessons from the Taylor Swift debacle, and it's defending its 2010 merger. It blamed fans for really overloading the system. The two main requests came in, and they also blamed bots for generating millions of requests. I'm not the problem. It's not me. (laughs) Anastasia, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks. Okay, the Oscar nominations come out today. There's a wide variety of movies that could be in the mix, from big-budget blockbusters to the more indie art house fair. And NPR Culture Desk reporter Andrew Limbong has been following it all. Good morning. Hey, Steve. Okay, so who might get nominated for Best Picture? Okay, so you know there are 10 slots in this category, right? And in this year's crop of movies, like you said, it's like the mega blockbusters up against the usual Oscar Beatty type stuff. So some of the titles being tossed around include two sequels, right? One, we've got Top Gun Maverick and Avatar The Way of Water. Top Gun dominated the box office last year, and Avatar just spent this past weekend breaking $2 billion at the box office. Wow. And then on the relatively smaller scale, uh, other titles include the mind-bending universe hopping movie everything everywhere all at once there's tar that's the kate blanchett movie about the controlling orchestra conductor and for my money the front runner is the fablemans that's the semi-autobiographical movie directed by steven spielberg about a young boy who's coming of age and learns a love of movies here's a clip of the boy's mom mitzi played by michelle williams helping him film his train set crashing we're going to use daddy's camera to film it only crash the train once okay then after we get the film developed, you can watch it crash over and over till it's not so scary anymore. <laughs> That's great. I missed a chance at the theater the other day to see The Fablemans, watch mm-hmm. something else. Would I regret that then? Well, according to the Golden Globes, you know, you did. Because <laughs> uh, The Fablemans won for Best Drama Movie. And speaking of the Globes, it's helpful to look at them to get a sense of who's in the running for the actor awards. You know, Michelle Williams is probably in the mix, as is Kate Blanchett. Michelle Yeoh won a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy for Everything Everywhere. In it, she plays Evelyn, a frustrated mother who has a hard time connecting with her gay daughter. Here's a clip of the two of them talking while they're cooking. You know... He doesn't have to stay. Who's he? Becky. Becky's a she. You know me. I always make that he, she. In Chinese, just one word. Ta. So easy. And the way you two are dressed, I'm sure I'm not the only one calling him he. I mean her, him. I. Anyway, (laughs) anyone who's seen the movie knows I'm like slightly underplaying the plot a bit because the movie gets a little out there. But if Yo does get nominated, this will actually be her uh, first Oscars nod in her decades-long career. What did Brendan Fraser do to get into the mix here? 
Yeah, a lot of people are talking about him and his role in uh, Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. In it, he plays an obese writing teacher who also has a hard time connecting with his daughter. It's a theme here, but go on, please. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, The movie itself has gotten kind of a mixed reviews for its portrayal of fat people. But like, even in the most brutal takedowns of the movie that I've read, critics have made sure to mention that Fraser's performance is as tender and humane as the script allows him to be. What about another big award, Best Director? Yeah, a lot of the movies we've talked about have their directors in the running. You know, you've got uh, Spielberg, uh, Todd Fields for Tar, the Daniels, Quan and Shiner for Everything Everywhere. There's also Baz Luhrmann for the Elvis movie. But I'm actually interested uh, in seeing if women get boxed out of this category at the Oscars like they did at the Golden Globes. And, you know, it isn't as if there wasn't a solid bench of movies directed by women this year, right? Both Sarah Polly's Women Talking and Gina Prince by the Woods' The Woman King got good reviews this year, but they don't seem to be in like the discourse as much as, say, Jane Campion was when she was nominated and won for Power of the Dog last year. Well, we'll see what the nominations bring. Andrew, thanks so much. Thanks, Steve. And that's Up First for this Tuesday, January 24th. I'm Steve Inskeep. And I'm Layla Falden. Up First is produced by Shelby Hawkins and Monsi Karana. Our editors are Ali Schweitzer and Alice Wolfley. Our technical director is Nisha Hines. Start your day here with us tomorrow. And remember that your NPR station makes Up First possible each morning. So when you support them, you also support us. You can get started at donate.npr.org slash upfirst.